So uh, welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And today we are going to discuss New Gods number five by Jack Kirby and Mike Royer, published October, November, 1975. Yeah. Really interesting issue. Yes. Um, what I'm finding as I read more of these new gods is I'm getting more and more interested in the, the subtext rather than the stories. I mean, the stories are great. You know, the art's amazing. But I'm just trying to think about, hmm, what's Kirby trying to say there subconsciously or consciously? You know, it's pretty interesting. We'll go into that some more. So do you see, what are you, what are you intrigued by in this issue? Um, well, I mean, it's, a lot of biographical stuff that we've talked about before, but do you want to just go page by page or should I jump in the, like, all of them? Do, why don't we just go through page by page? Do, do you want to kind of describe okay. the beginning? Yeah, let's do that. Talking? So once again, just like the last issue, we start with the uh, obscure travels of Metron. We get this great Jack Kirby collage on page one of Metron just uh, floating through the cosmic ether, leaping the stars towards a final barrier. Um, it's just a great Kirby collage page and just like full of energy. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you what you make of Metron and the caption referring to him as a celestial. Um. Because I don't think they ever refer to themselves as new gods. Hmm, interesting. And I think um, I, I think Kirby saw celestial as the word they would use to refer to themselves. But I'm not sure what it would mean in this context. You know, I didn't even think of that, but it might actually like kind of uh, segue into the next page, the big page spread of like this big, big hulking giant. And well, it's such an awesome two-page spread. It's just so full of Kirby energy, literally full of Kirby crackle. What I loved about this one, I almost felt like this is where the subtext, I don't know, whatever, what he's trying to say is I felt like I didn't notice this. I've been trying to just sketch some of these pages for fun, just to kind of understand what maybe Kirby was thinking, get his ghost in me, you know, my own sketches. And, you know, when I first read this page, oh, yeah, yeah, this is kind of cool. He's just passing by some of these weird-looking monsters. The next page is ahead. This guy is, like, all strapped in. But then as I drew it, I'm all like, oh, this is somebody in pain who did something. And then I read that, um, that narration where it says, there were others with Metron's boldness and hunger. So he's a celestial. He's bold, trying to get more information, trying to, and this one tried to engulf the barrier by enlarging his own atomic structure. What happened is not known. He failed. He drifts endlessly larger than a star cluster, fused, living, taking a billion Earth years to feel one heartbeat. And, and the more I read that, the more I realize it's basically man trying to use science to become a god. Whereas in Metron, kind of like to what you said earlier, like, what do you think is a celestial? You know, Metron could have just, he, it's almost kind of like, I want to compare, and I, I'm reading too much, and he probably didn't think of this, but I feel like gods are like 
royalty or wealthy people who are who come into money so they don't really have to exert themselves so metron as a god as a or a celestial as he puts it he could have done anything he, he does science he's not affected by it but this but this being who was not a god at least from what i can read from it went through all this pain and like morphing its own structure and being in pain and failing and it was just as bold as a god, but because it wasn't a celestial or a god, was left kind of adrift, you know? So it's about aspiring to be, become something greater than yourself and being pushed back because you just don't have the capacity to understand it. Yeah, understand it or have the skills. I don't know, maybe that's just my reading on my own self-analysis but or what I'm going through these days. But but the thing, it's it's interesting to me because when I see it, um, I don't know. I'm I'm not I don't really know much about religion or any any type of thing, but if I'm not mistaken, there's some biblical stuff where like man tried to shoot God down with an arrow and then they all got screwed or and then, like every time, God, a human being tries to do something godly, they overstep a little bit, and and so I feel like that that's what it's trying to say. But I also think that it's not necessarily like man or the being is in the wrong. It's just that you could go too far, just like science can go too far and just make things sick. Mm -hmm. but I think it's that whole thing we've talked about Metron, where he's neutral. He's like he wants to for get more knowledge do more with science and doesn't care if it's good or bad obviously he's a little bit on the good side because he's friends you know he's from you know whatever with the new gods uh, or the good ones but um but i think it's interesting like if gone too far man can astray or non non-gods or non-celestials mm -hmm. mm -hmm. there's a next page too there's a head of a woman and another who failed, she too tried the maximum state. Yeah. Shattered, motionless giants. What is the maximum state? Is that the godlike state? Is that the celestial state? I guess, I mean, I think later on he talks about, you know, um, the source, right? Like, they all tried to find out about the source, or maybe, I don't know, become the force or source. And then I think he said, yeah, well, yeah, but we got it. We got it in our own crib back in New Genesis. Like, we already have it. We already got and I think it, there's, a, there's not only that sense of, like, boldness of humanity, but also the privilege of wealth and privilege of being born into something. Like, I almost kind of view, um, I feel like, had Kirby been born into more of a privilege, more of a, a family who was wealthy, who knew about lawyers and contracts, his career would have probably been bigger than it really was because he didn't know how to sign contract. He, didn't, he wasn't desperate enough to take any job and relinquish his rights or whatever. So I think it's, um, there's that fear. And I think a lot of, him, again, like maybe I'm just reading too much into this, but I do think that there's that, there's that, balance of boldness versus privilege do you think it's a little bit about him striving his his own personal battle about striving to do something bigger than himself to create this vision 
and being held back by his own ambition, like almost his own ambition was too much. Yeah. And so this is a little bit of him battling with the DC hierarchy or bureaucracy. I, I think it's subconscious. I mean, I know it, it, it can be for me oftentimes, but like, I think it's subconscious, but I, I also think that there's also some, it would be interesting for me to see those comics or stories or books about those two people who tried to push themselves. Those two mm -hmm. beings, at least, that are represented on the first two pages of this issue. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Because these look like, um, the stories behind these beings look so intriguing. And we don't know anything about them. All we know is what Metron tells us. Mm -hmm. The other thing that strikes me about these pages is just the inscrutable eyes of Metron. We just can't read anything on his face. He's mm -hmm. analytical. He's mm -hmm. thinking about it, but he's seeing it as a fact, as history, as something he has no sway over. And when last panel, we see High Father, and High Father with that gaze up or up and out is like um, basically looks like he's almost praying to the source. Mm -hmm. I do think that uh, Metron is a little bit contemplative because he's saying like, yeah. wow, like this one is just as smart that the, the female, the woman uh, was just as smart as he is, but you know, she was, she went astray or the other one has as much technology, but just got perverted in some way. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah. And I, I think it's such a great Kirby moment where then we transition from this moment. We have literally the last of the four page sequence as High Father staring into space with this godly look on his face, look, contemplating infinity. And when we land back on Earth in a scene in the police station with Terrible Turpin gobbling his sandwich, look, looking like he's probably dropping mayonnaise or mustard on his top. Yeah. Can I say one more thing about Metron before we go on? Yeah. I do think that there are, he is questioning, I think in, in some ways, not only is it contemplative, like telling us, but I think he is questioning, is like, what is it about me that I didn't go through? You know, not, not that he's questioning it, but he's just kind of pointing out that like, we are all, we all have the same ambition, intellect and skill, but for some reason I didn't get it. Astray. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's the source. Maybe it's the mother box. I don't know. He didn't mention it, but but yeah, going into the Turpin. Well, I love. So, sorry, I, uh, you just called something out, and there's a really interesting phrase here. Um, these people who try to exceed their their potential are crying out in eternal humiliation. Yeah, humiliation is such an interesting word to use in that context. I mean, I identify with that part. I think uh with kirby it's oh yeah well don't ruffle the i mean don't ruffle the feathers just do what you can take the money you know do 15 pages a week don't don't you know ruffle feathers where you get fired and you can't feed your kids and wife because if i try to go out on my own you know if i try to self-publish or if i like try to get a lawyer to get a better deal out of this i might get fired and not have a job yeah, and this is probably when he got shot down in his dreams of publishing those larger magazine style. Yeah, I mean, this is something that we can all relate to. I mean, we don't even have to be Jack Kirby. Like, my job, your job, you know, with economies going down and 
saying like, well, just don't ruffle feathers. That this is where harassment at workplace comes along. So a lot of these things, I mean, I'm re, I'm like making going out of proportion, but essentially like not being able to stand up for yourself. Well, okay. That's too much. <laughs> Step back. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I love it though, yeah. at the same time, we've got this ordinary man kind of stepping up and um, being ready to fight the evils of the uh, apocalyptic warriors. I love the page five. Um, so first of all, um, we see the, the new name in the credits, Mike Royer is the inker. Oh, finally. All He's right. Over. He's inking in brush. Coletta inked in pencils, Vince Coletta, who used to work with Kirby. And we see this just much more boldness in the, in the line work here. Yeah. Chirpin's like I like it. Own, you know? This is Kirby. This is Kirby. This is totally what we think of in terms of Kirby. I love Kirby's, Kirby's um, sandwiches too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't eaten a sandwich in 10 years on purpose, but when I see it, I was like, oh, it looks kind of good. It looks cool. It looks like a cardboard, but it looks, the way Turpin is eating it looks cool. Don't tell that to Daniel Elkin. Sandwich man. Um, mm -hmm. So we get this night, really nice kind of breather scenes here for a page or two. Mm -hmm. Nice character work that kind of builds up Turpin as being a little bit outside his time. I love this. You're, um, you're blowing it. You sh instead of you're calling me sergeant instead of terrible Turpin. I know you're working on big stuff. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I love the technology here too, where he's all like. You see the videotape. Was there were there videotapes back then? Only TV stations had videotapes, and there was no um, consumer videotapes. Interesting. Yeah, this this crazy video uh, videotape machine, as he calls it. Mm -hmm. And that's not a VCR. It's just this crazy, wild, weird-looking thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And were there color TVs back then? Yeah, there were color TVs. Batman TV show was in color. And that's oh, that's right. Yeah, so there's color TVs at that point. Oh, interesting. No, but that's it's really cool. Um, I do think that Turpin's character is um, um, is really revealed in the next few pages. I think one of the things I wrote about these next few I wrote down um, was the the character of Lincoln. So he smokes a pipe. He's kind of like a detective. What I wrote down was in um, in Kirby's eyes, a hero was because Lincoln is basically represents, you know, us. And by us, I mean, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant <laughs> Gentiles. And uh -huh. what I love about the the character is that the hero to the modern Kirby or like his next stage Kirby was intellectual, was an intellectual. So he smokes a pipe. He's like a professor. He reminds me of Reed Richards a little bit. Um, Cause I think Reed Richards smoked a pipe too. And uh, it's not like some brute who can beat up people who like, you know, put, you know, so I do like that. It's interesting. So the hero is not like some brute. It's, a, it's actually like the smart intellectual person who, who tries to solve a mystery. Yeah, and you see that in page six, the bottom panel. Like, he's clearly thinking hard yeah. about what he's going to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, 
he's I'm, and he's ready to start battling dark side because mm-hmm. he's the thinking man he's also kind of pushing himself to think on the next level mm-hmm. and then the next page is where they break up the the their orion gang has to go do their own thing harvey's got to go to his parents tell his parents why he's been away and lanza's got to go and like manage an insurance business I can't remember. I don't think we ever see these characters again under Kirby. I don't know. I actually wrote down, I would love to draw a comic about Lanza insurance business. <laughs> you would. I think it'd be so funny. Like just, I mean, I don't know. Are insurance? I don't know. I don't know what kind of, I don't know any insurance people. <laughs> I'd love to know Lanza. Okay. I mean, let me, let's just say this. Lanza very easily was able to fit into a gangster mobster boss character. Let's just say that. <laughs> it, it came to him very easily. So what is it saying about his business and how he runs it? And he, the way he treats people? I get it. Yeah. Maybe he's got a little bit of gangster in him. Yeah, he might be. Hey, look at his suit. His, his suit's kind of like a little gangstery. That's an awesome suit. That's yeah. an awesome suit. I do think that Harvey Lockman, I just, I didn't even know what his name was. I just found like, he didn't do much. I guess he was oh, a young kid. Well, this, the, these people have always been like, so symbolic for me of like Kirby's lack of attention span. Mm. He introduced them, like we talked about when we did the second episode, he introduces them, makes a big point about including them as part of the cast, and they hold the secrets of the anti-life equation. They're the sci- They're basically the, the people who Darkseid wants to capture and mine their brains. And then he never actually explores that whole element to them. He has them do the Orion's Gang stuff last issue, where he has them kind of try and basically infiltrate the gang. And then he breaks them up and like, they're kind of a non sequitur. They never actually do much to advance the storyline. Mm-hmm. It's like Kirby had an idea and then just abandoned the idea. I do think that that first few pages with the two dead, you know, gods or whatever, um, that's probably something that he should, he could have advanced because I would have been interested in that story. So, but yeah, like these characters, I mean, I do like Claudia and I think Lincoln, if you would have had like some type of like a pulp comic, he could have continued that one. But I do think that to your point, though, he may have had thoughts doing this. DC probably didn't let him. Just like um, the Black Racer, he wanted, he had like ideas about that comic being drawn by, you know, mm-hmm. African American writer artists. So, yeah, I think it's that. And that also what Mark Evanier talks about, where Kirby just had such a short attention span because he was producing so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's also a couple of continuity errors in this issue alone. That oh, really? how quickly Kirby was working, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, so then we move on to Orion battling Slig with his foot caught in the uh, giant clamshell. So we go a little bit from like a very sublime scene, like the, these these people kind of moving on. It's very human. This weird kind of otherworldly scene. Mm-hmm. It's kind of almost ridiculous because, you know, a foot caught in a giant clamshell, that's kind of just silly. 
I don't even remember that, but but it must have been a few weeks since we read. I don't remember. I didn't know he was in this much peril. I don't think I don't think I remember that either. I don't have my collected edition here. Cause he uh, oh something pal happened. Yeah, it's like he he looked. I think you know what happened. Something happened, and then you don't know what happened to him. Okay. He got caught, and then that's it. I now love- he doesn't have his helmet on. He doesn't have any of his stuff on. He doesn't have his mother box. Right. All this technology. I love the way Kirby and Royer draw Orion. Even when he's got the heroic face, he's a freaking battler. Mm-hmm. He is he is just a um he's a rough and tumble fighter of a man. And he's just looks like someone you don't want to fuck with. Yeah. It's just me, his hair looks a little longer, his eyes look a little wilder, his his face just looks a little more warrior-like mm-hmm. looks like he's just someone you never would want to tangle with mm-hmm. and we get in a, in a few more pages the the bit about his real face but i feel like we're seeing like hints of his real face in the first few pages here of the battle yeah oh yeah when he starts getting ugly yeah but yeah it's um so, uh, I like the shark monster. Mm-hmm. Orion is all about the technology in this issue too, as well as the the physical stuff, right? He's using the astral force. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, he he smashes the mother box, which we got to get to because it's a beautiful scene, um, one of the great Kirby scenes. Um, but I, it's interesting how. So it's the astroforce, right? It's this cosmic technology that's never really explained to us. I was thinking about how that technology fits with the technology in the first few pages of this issue, where he's able to access this higher level of, I don't want to keep using the same word, this, this almost magical technology, I guess I'll use the same word again. In a way, the humans who strive or the the He's a celestial, so he's able to use this technology in a way that others can't. Yeah. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. But he's also got the ability to just fight with his fist, because when he fights that, that shark monster, that's like just a super fun scene. I mean, that, it's so funny that, like, I think you've mentioned this before, where like Kirby just had introduced these characters that you never see again. And then 40 years later, you see a guy do a 12-issue comic <laughs> about a character that looks just about that kind of, I mean, not that character, but in the, like a shark character. Yeah. Or like the reoccurring villain in like, in like, I think there's a shark character and like, there's a bunch of them. There's one in DC, there's one in Marvel. like Savage stuff. Dragon. Yeah, Savage Dragon, yeah. Which is curb, directly Kirby influence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just such a fun fight scene. Were you going to say something else about him fighting? No, no, I don't have too much to say about these fights. I, I think it was cool. But... The strange shark, shark, shark seed, I guess. Um, and then we get to this incredible page 13. The uh, Basically the shell from which the creature we see at the end of the issue is it grows out of. Mm-hmm. That's just one of those gorgeous Kirby detail scenes 
it just pops. We really see Royer's influence there too. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't know what to say about it, except that it, like it's a truly breathtaking scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's also one that I think looks better in the original coloring than at least it does in the '80s coloring. So in the '80s, so in the original, it's kind of shades of orange, red almost a pink in, in certain areas. In the 80s book, it's just a kind of colored, mostly a flat green. Oh, in my trade, it's brown. And the, the mix of colors on it, oh, you can't see it because of the weird background. Um, the mix of colors on it kind of makes it seem like it's from, it's earthy. Like it's something that's kind of just emerged out of the floor of the ocean ready to assault the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just so powerful. Cool. Um, I was just going to say we have like 20 minutes, but should we go on to the hospital scene? Yeah. So this is, this is Kirby talking about himself. This is what you've alluded to earlier that I remembered while I was reading it. Um, you know, the scene is he's in the hospital. One of his, uh, you know, cops is beaten up pretty bad, talking about, you know, a guy with face like a blue granite and a gang and fighting and, you know, all that stuff. And, um, and Turpin believes him. And then as he's coming out, he's talking about, you know, his other, you know, other people who work for him, all the cops are like, yeah, here's something about UFOs, you know kind of like joking about it. It's like, oh, I heard some specific, you know, about UFO sighting, Sarge. And then uh, Turpin's all like, yeah, don't put UFOs down just because you don't see it. Like, I think he, he alludes to me like, you don't see anyone wearing derby hats, but I do. Does that make yeah. me a UFO? I guess like, you know, derby hats are just, like the kind of dirt, like they're the old school hats. Yeah. The gangster and then, hats. And 1930s gangster movies. Yeah, and the, the quote that's really interesting is like, Turbin's like, yeah, well, I've seen them. Does that make me a UFO? And then the other guy says, no, but it dates you, Sarge. You're just hanging out to old times when you took the Tommy guns away from the gangs. Yeah, and then, well, I've got news for you, Junior. Those old times are back. They just got a little weirder, that's all. So what does that tell you? What, is it, what, do, you, what do you get out of that if you're talking about Kirby? If that's Kirby, that's Kirby saying, dude, I'm still in the game. I'm just doing something a little different from what you're used to. You yeah. know, I'm just as contemporary as you are. You should, you need to stay with me. That's exactly yeah. like, a, a, you know what? The, the analogy I have is like a great jazz musician saying, hey, kids, keep up with me because I know what I'm doing. You may think I'm out of step with you because I'm not playing in the same way you are. But I got a few tricks still. Mm-hmm. I've been keeping the beat longer than you have, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's to me, it's like his pre 60s comics, which were street level, right? It was street level heroes, maybe even gangsters. I don't know if he did any gangsters, but but then after yeah, that, yeah. he started to get into science fiction. That's the UFOs that these cops are whining about or joking about. So it's like, hey, it's the same thing. It's just, they look a little weirder. I'm still, yeah. This is where the, the 
whole fourth world comes together a little bit too because he reintroduced the newsboy legion and jimmy olsen mm -hmm. you know that was seen by some readers as a little bit of a throwback i but, feel like it's some of his critics sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i was gonna say no, go ahead. i feel like it's his critics too saying like what's this like you know these spaceships and these aliens and these things you're talking about like nobody wants to see that so there's two weird things about this scene both of which have nothing to do necessarily with Kirby. One is Turpin smoking a cigar in a hospital. What uh -huh. the hell? Um, and secondly, here's the first of the two continuity errors I saw. Um, he lights up. Um, he lights up the guy's cigar, and then we don't see it the next page. So at the end of page 14, Turpin's lighting the cigar, cigarette, whatever it is. Um, and the, the patient has it in his mouth, right? His hands are in cast, so he can't hold the cigarette. Mm -hmm. The page, and he's screaming. His mouth is wide open. There's no sign of the cigarette anywhere. What happened to it? <laughs> I didn't notice that. I don't, I don't Maybe he swallowed it because he's all scared. <laughs> But well, it's right. I, the, bet, they, I bet you they let you smoke in the hospital back then, huh? Is, isn't that crazy? Like, I, I imagine he's like on some oxygen or something too, and there's smoking right next to him. God, can you imagine being in a hospital in 1971? That's funny. The world was so different 50 years ago. Holy crap. <laughs> um, and then the action starts. Bram! Mm -hmm. Boom tube, the boom tube explodes. Alabasque. And you know, just, just one time I want to go to a meeting at work and scream, crawl you earthworms, Jason is here. Mm -hmm. This is so crazy and powerful and, and awesomely curvy. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I just love that. I always thought the boom tube is maybe Kirby's greatest idea. You know, where you, you can travel almost instantaneously from dimension to dimension, but you have this lightning storm and this explosion of sound and you walk through it and you're like this shrouded creature and you come out and you're just ready for a fight. I, I just something about boom tubes is like, it's the greatest invention. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Mike Royer did the lettering here? He did lettering, right? Oh, I wanted to talk about the lettering too. Let's hold that for the end because um, that's the one thing I really disliked about the issue. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Because I like that Bram and then boo, 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 the drawn-in lettering. Yeah. Okay. That's probably Royer, but I want to talk about the, the, there's quirks in the lettering that really annoy me. But let's finish going through the issue first and then come back and okay. we're summing up. But um, God, can you imagine Coletta doing like, the scene on page 17 with Calabac smashing everything. It looks so much more powerful under Royer. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. The, the rocks are craggy, you know, the, the face is furious. The fingers are square Kirby fingers. There's just so much power in it. You know, I don't have my original issue for page 17. You know how like uh, Orion has beat up all these like bad guys what's the coloring on the original issue on panel two page 17 
Uh, in the they're all single color in the background. They're kind of grayish. Okay, the same thing then. Okay, I was wondering if the coloring was better in the original issue. I guess it oh, wasn't. It looks terrible in, in the '80s issue. Yeah, it's like it's like neon coloring. Mm. Um, this page seventeen has a second, um, the second continuity error, because he says, "Hey, I'm I'm just reclaiming my equipment. One of you mutates has finally volunteered to show me where it was stored, but he had said earlier he was gonna grab it himself." Mm. First to my equipment, the wrist circuits are homing in on it. Maybe there was a fight we didn't see, but it, Kirby just got it slightly wrong because he said he was going to just go get it. Instead, he goes to a fight we never get to see. So in this fight sequence, I think one of the first ever recordings of a Yo Mama joke was done. <laughs> I think it was a Yo Mama, uh, Yo Mama box joke. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not really that funny, but it's it's like he's all like, uh, see, I think he blows up Sig's mother box, and he's all like, she's gone slick when she couldn't serve you. Your mother box chose to die. She loved you, slick. Ha ha ha! I don't know why that's funny, but he's laughing. What's the thing that happens right before he kind of becomes the Orion of Apocalypse? So this is oh, him. Yeah to the dark side, literally, <laughs> going to the other side. Um, his nature coming in. Um, God, that battle scene on page 19 where he's tearing apart the mother's box. That's fine. You know, it, just the, the Kirby plays it perfectly too. It's so interesting because like, uh, so page 18, four panel page, um, panel two, we have this look on Orion's face as he rushes towards Slig of just this pure, arrogant hatred. Ha, 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 that's the kind of talk I'd like to hear, Slig. Tell me how I will die at your hands. Like, come on, guy. I'm, I'm way tougher than you. And then throughout this battle scene, we alternate between scenes where we see Orion's face and scenes where just Orion's body is kind of showcased. It's full of sound effects and it has no background. So Kirby's keeping the eye focused on the scene. Well, he's almost telling us that Orion is so furious that we can't bear to look at his face the entire time, that we need to kind of look away because the fury he's feeling is almost incomprehensible. It's, it's a celestial anger that's greater than a human anger. And so when we see Orion's face in the scenes on page 19, especially the close-up in panel four, we see this kind of tight fury on his face it really is kind of a terrifying anger that looks otherworldly it looks celestial looks other and it looks like in a way it echoes back to the beginning of the comic because this is something that only someone who's truly different can feel because it's a godlike level of anger mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting if you go to page 20 uh, when Orion becomes, you know, he gets his, his evil face, his haircuts, his haircut changes, not just his yeah. face. Yeah. And the haircut starts to look like Kirby's own haircut. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and, and by the way, the haircut he wears all through the issue is the weirdest thing. Not weirdest, but funny to me. Um, it's like 
the character from the eighties he drew Captain Victory. Captain Victory has oh, yeah. a haircut. Uh, what do you make of that scene at the bottom of page twenty, where we see Orion's true face and he transforms himself back? Um, well, Sig makes fun of him, right? Ah, see, you're a monster too. You're just like me, and like you're no better. And I think that was embarrassing. And so I, it's funny, right? Because he doesn't want anybody else to know. And I don't know if he's talked about it with, um, you know, with his dad or like his stepdad, but it sounds like he's, I mean, obviously he's ashamed of it, you know? So he, he's all like, that revelation shall die with you, Slig. That's mm -hmm. not something a hero says. Like, you don't see like Superman say, oh, you found that? I'm Clark Kent. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, Orion is not really a hero, is he? No. Not in this issue. He is really out for himself or for the greater glory of New Genesis. He's a warrior. There's, there's a line Turpin says earlier. Oh, where is it? Something about war is terrible and cruel that I see kind of echoed on Orion's face there. It's crazy how he's killing people, you know. He's already killed. Didn't he kill another person too? Another foe earlier? Mm -hmm, he did. And um, he's going to kill more. This is another kind of non-Marvel kind of thing. It's, it's something that's, that's outside of what we've seen before from Kirby. Now, when did, it, when did characters stop to kill that was that around the 60s during, um, you know, after McCarthy, you know, well, not McCarthyism, but, um, you know, Dr. Wortham. That was in the 60s, right? Or was that was in the 50s. 50s. Okay. So yeah. characters stopped dying after the 50s. But then, and the Comics Code was still going on here, but just because this person is a monster and ugly and they're a bad person, you know, and you don't see them actually die, you just see them fall off get thrown off a cliff, it was okay. Yeah, I guess it's a little like the Batman the Animated Series where all the characters who got killed would fall into water. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and maybe because it's dressed up in superhero comics too, it was able to pass the code. And the person is so ugly that, <laughs> or the character. Uh, well, I've always thought page 20, that the transformation is one of the most powerful scenes in Kirby. Mm -hmm. It really is, you know, and we could talk about this when we talk about the pact in a couple weeks. Um, it really is like symbolic of the dual nature of all our personalities. Yeah. No matter how good we try to be, no matter how heroic we want to be, we have this primal force inside ourselves that sometimes comes out. Mm -hmm. to put on this other face in order to, to live in society, thrive in society. Mm -hmm. And gods aren't, even gods aren't perfect. No, gods are more imperfect than we are. Well, I think what's interesting is that what is, I mean, you know, definition of perfection, what does that mean? You know, a lot of people talk about that, but I think part of being imperfect is that if Orion embraced his true self he'd kind of be perfect right like he'd be like the perfect evil you know just like 
like I think Dark Side is perfect. Like Dark Side has no questions about like where he stands. And at the at the um same time, you know, I'm sorry, what's uh what's the guy what's the god from New Genesis, the main High Father? Oh High Father or Isaiah. Yeah, so High Father, again, he's perfect because he's embracing exactly what he is. But Orion is not perfect because he's one way and he's trying to be another way. And that's, that's what makes him kind of, you can relate to that as a human being. Yeah. There's a lot of ways. Like society wants you to act a certain way, you know, and do certain things. And we're not necessarily, you know, we were, he was, I don't know if he was born into it, but he, he pretty much was born into the new gods. And so he had to change what he is even though it doesn't come to him naturally. And he's not perfect. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, in two episodes, we'll talk about the pact, and there'll be a lot in there. Um, page 21, then Kirby shows Orion's face again. And he does the up angle, perfectly chiseled face in panel three, or panel four, rather. And then he's chugging along through the water in that very heroic pose. So we know that Orion has kind of restored himself to his previous being. And I just, I, again, I think like those two panels, well, actually the whole page is just gorgeous. But those two panels, like it, he looks like a god. He literally looks like a god on on uh, panel four. I think that helmet is a really cool, it makes him look uh, nor, like look like a good guy, the helmet. <laughs> and then, when, and then the, the uh, fantastic tease on page 22, the last page of the issue, we see the creature and, and like it just looks so giant and terrifying this kind of evil whale or something mm -hmm. um what's what is really cool in this this collected edition oh you can't really see it is the first page of the next issue is almost like a perfect parallel to the last page of the current issue hmm. on the on the one that i see they, they have a few pages about this young gods of Supertown. Yeah, which is not nearly as, as interesting an issue. As it, it wasn't really interesting to me. I, I, w I did want to say one thing about this, uh, this, this creature. Um, I tried to draw this one too a little bit and it, it's not really like any animal. It's actually more like a machine type of a thing. Oh. I don't know, that, that whole thing right below the mouth I don't even know what that. That's almost kind of like how, what you would have on a boat. Looks like a boat. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's like a living boat, I guess. So I want to talk about the lettering. Mm -hmm. I got annoyed as hell by the multiple exclamation marks at the end of every sentence. <laughs> oh, I that all through the issue. It's like the exclamation marks sometimes in the most pointless places too um mm. th there's just yeah i look everywhere six, wow. I didn't five. soon after dave lincoln enters his car and eases into traffic three exclamation marks why he's driving big deal i wonder if i didn't even notice it i wonder if lands like going back to his insurance company has exclamation marks <laughs> it does <laughs> It's so weird. And I get it when we when we see uh, Metron talking about the Promethean galaxy, the palace of the giants. Mm -hmm. 
But um, oh, it just gets it gets to be a little too much. I think I'll leave too. My parents are probably getting anxious. <laughs> uh, yeah. So next time, the glory boat. I've been looking forward to talking about this comic for a long time. Glory boat should be exciting. Thank you, Amir. This has been fun as always. Oh, thank you.